You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Hey, welcome back to Practically Pastoring. My name is Frank. I am glad that you are here. I'm here with some good friends of mine all the way in Baltimore, Maryland. It's Jeff Simpson. Howdy. And then together down in Florida, we got Andrew Larson. Greetings and salutations. And Timothy Miller. Hello, world. Our Baptist brother in South Carolina, Delmar Pete, is on assignment with his senior pastor. And so uh, we... uh, But they're at a barbecue place, let's be honest. We all know this. He didn't tell us where they were eating lunch, but when you're in South Carolina, that's what it is. It's a high... High high probability that it's barbecue. And good barbecue at that. Yeah. So, hey, um, how was your services this past weekend? Guys, I texted you yesterday. Um, I, I, I was so excited to be praying for you because I wasn't preaching. And it was, uh, it was a breath of fresh air. We had a really great guest preacher, which cannot always be said. You guys know that. But it could be said this time. And it was nice to spend some time praying for, for you guys as well as my own services and not have to preach. So it was a beautiful thing. Sounds awesome. I saw that text, and then uh, shortly after that, I texted you guys. All <laughs> Very caps, different text message. <laughs> all caps, I want to strangle my worship team. <laughs> I did not strangle anyone, nor did I even lay hands on anyone. Uh, but I was just frustrated that morning. We just, you know, we're pushing things to be tighter so we don't aren't in the building as long. So, uh, but a bunch of people showed up late. They didn't know the songs. And it frustrated me because I'm a control freak, probably. Uh, Yeah. So my uh, go-to for those moments is not to be mad before the service starts, because really, what's that going to accomplish? Nothing. Um, But after the service was over and everything was done and I was in a much better frame of mind, I just said, hey, what can we do to make this better? And uh, so we're going to we're going to show up a little earlier on Sunday. But other than that, like the service itself went fine. Uh, We actually had a. Uh, she's a friend of someone that comes to the church. She's an aspiring photographer, but like really an aspiring photographer, not just a girl who has a camera and says, I want to be a photographer like they all do. Uh, but someone who actually is putting in some work to do it. So she came and took a bunch of, uh, hopefully really good pictures for us to use for the website and stuff. So that's always good. And, um, uh, this will come up later, but I did a whole sermon on the history of our denomination. So we'll talk about that later. Things were good. You know, it was one of the fuller Sundays we've had in the hybrid online in-person thing. We had some people say, it's a new month. We've decided it's time to start coming back. So that was exciting. We'll we'll take any momentum we can get. Uh, we, la- we had our very first soft launch over here. Yeah, Sounds exciting. Cool. You're muted, Andrew. I. I said I saw that it looked good. Tim's controlling the volume while I'm he is do I don't know I'm, what I'm emailing doing. Josh Griffin. Okay. Our audio from this morning's podcast. <laughs> good. You I mean, this is this is like matrix like it's a podcast within a podcast. Yes. Yeah. Podcast, podcast. podcast inception. <laughs> that's what that's the movie reference I was thinking yes. of. Um yeah, so I uh yeah, we had our soft launch. Uh it was good. We we I was going to say we had a good turnout, but it's just the people from our launch team, which is the fact that everyone from our launch team showed up is a good turnout. Um, everything went seamless. So here's a unique complexity that you guys might not deal with, or maybe you actually do kind of deal with now that we're all you know streaming our services as well. 
Um, so we have to get a, we use this thing called living as one. Well, it used to be called living as one. Now it's called resi. And that's how most churches are, you know, streaming their services online, but that's also how we stream our services from campus to campus. And, um, and this is the very first Sunday we tried it. And there was in our very first service, which is the truly live stream coming from main campus to here. And the internet went down for like 15 minutes. But the good news is, is like between the delay in services and um, the 15 minute like kind of window, the, the, the internet going down didn't cause, we buffered enough where we didn't have to have any delays in our services or it wasn't noticeable, but like it made our tech team like freak out and they were like running around figuring like, what are we going to do? The internet's down, the internet's down. And so there's a strongly worded email to Spectrum that's coming out, but that's the extent of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was overall a... Uh, it was a pretty smooth service for our first soft launch. So I will say that although I didn't preach, we did have a membership class that I forgot typically goes about three hours. So I'm really thankful I did not preach and then do a three hour membership class after ser- second service. So I was still exhausted because I mean, my, my membership curriculum is basically a full length sermon manuscript plus discussion. So still the same s- Sunday exhaustion, even though I didn't technically preach. That's good. That's good. I would love to hear more about your membership uh, sermonette or whatever. Or not a sermonette. It's a full sermon, it sounds like. It, it, it really is. Yeah. Dude, I think like people understanding church membership is such a big deal. I've had so many people in the last – because I've started saying like, hey, our church is moving out of this redevelopment back into being fully accredited, and so we all need to be thinking about membership. And I had lunch yesterday with a couple that was like, I'm not sure membership is even biblical. And that's when you're like, what, what? Yeah. So we, so we actually just... open our membership class with those two questions. Um, why, why membership and what does the Bible say about membership? So that's how we open the class. So it's a, it's a good topic. Yeah. We gotta, we're going to have that discussion soon because that's going to be a good one. Cause I think even right now, even, uh, you know, that book that we read last week, they said that the biggest issue with a lot of like, um, especially larger churches, but even churches that may we're not gospel centered, if you will, or whatever, like the larger churches tend to not have a high priority or understanding of what it, membership means. And I would say in my church in particular, like we, we went from calling our group members to covenant members to now we're called covenant partnerships and like trying to define what that means. And there was even a, a person who didn't come to our last covenant partnership member meeting. Um, and I asked them why, and they're like, well, what's the benefit of me being in the meeting? You're just going to tell me this to give and serve. Like I already do that. So why do I have to be a, a member? And I'm like, another part of the membership class is benefits of membership. So, I mean, you, <laughs> you're hitting on all of the key topics of membership class. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I, when she, and when, when she said that to me, I was like, well, it's, yeah, it's not like a gym membership where it's like, well, if you're a member, you get access to the pool. Like, like, although not, baptism. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. my yeah, membership just, gives me twenty percent off at some restaurants <laughs> and all merchandise. So yeah, uh, that my that's my Disney annual pass. My bad. I get confused because they're treated as very much the same sometimes. <laughs> How quickly do you think Chick Fil A would get canceled if they did a thing where like church members get ten percent off their order every time you? <laughs> how, at least bring the bulletin. Yeah. How many restaurants? But listen, I th- I think in the South churches would grow. I think so too. And where we are, people would boycott Chick Fil A. We have a, a restaurant that's catty corner from the church, and we've joked with them because they they pay to 
rent one of our parking spots and they have a Sunday brunch, we've said, Hey, we just need to have like a, if you bring your bulletin from safety Harbor community church, you get 20% off your Sunday brunch. That's just the running joke we have with them. And they've like, no, like, well, we're serious. We'll do that. If you guys want to do it. And like, I mean, maybe we should. Why not? I, I, I like brunch. I th- actually think that might be like a cool relationship with like a local business. If there is like a restaurant nearby and say, hey, if we can figure out a way where we turn into bulletin, you'll get some business directly from us. And, you know, and maybe that works. I, th- I've, I've, I remember being in Florida in Tampa and there was a Christian bookstore that happened to be a member of our church owned a Christian bookstore. And they would say, like, bring in the bulletin and you'll get like 10% off a book or something. Small. It won't probably affect the business that much. And you get stuff out of it. So that's good. I love it. I love it. It's a great relationship. Hey, so, okay. So overall, everyone had a good Sunday except for Jeff. So that's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was good after that. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's awesome. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be right right. We're taking a quick break, uh, pay the bills, and when we get back, we will um go into our clergy cliff note, which I which may cause our podcast to have a mature rating this week. I don't know. We'll see in a second. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So welcome back. We are uh, going to talk about uh, it's one clergy cliff note on two very similar issues that happened over the past weekend, week. I don't know. They both kind of came on my radar the, the same day. One, there was a relevant magazine article about a pastor who uh, kind of made some really, really bold statements uh, in the middle of a sermon. Uh <laughs> Stupid or arrogant, heretical. heretical, but bold. Sure, if that's what you'd like to say, Go disqualifies ahead. you to be an elder. Uh, sh- sh- Those sh- kind of things. Sh- chauvinistic would probably yeah. be also fit, or yeah. or Frank's bold. Also, we'll, we'll go with bold. Also, has this guy looked in a mirror? Because I mean, yikes! I, that was he my talked argument. about letting himself go. Look at this guy. All right, all come right. on, man. Before, before we go any further, let's listen to a quick clip from what this. this I mean, Tim could said. be critical like this if he was a jerk. <laughs> Why is it so many times that women, after they get married, let themselves go? Why is it? Why do they do that? Now look, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic, the epic trophy wife of all time, like Melania Trump. I'm not saying that at all. Now, most women can't be trophy wives, but you, you know, like her, maybe you're maybe a participation trophy. I don't know, but all I can say is not everybody looks like that. Amen. Not everybody looks like that. But, but you don't need to look like a butch either. But you say, how can I do that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm so glad you asked that question because you're in my office, you and your husband, and we're talking about your marriage, and uh, you've asked me this question about what can I do about that. All right, if you were sitting in my office, here's the first thing I'd say to you, and boy, I hate to say that. This is why I don't do marital counseling anymore, and that is weight control. So how important is this? Let me tell you something. 
I have a friend. He has put a divorce weight on his wife. That's how important this is. You know, makeup. Makeup is, is a good thing. You know, one little boy said to the boy, why, why do girls wear makeup and perfume? He said, because uh, they, they're ugly and they stink. You don't want to be ugly and stink. Scientists have discovered, by the way, a food that diminishes a woman's sex drive. It's called wedding cake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically he he's being very critical about saying about how women let themselves go and that even if they can't be a trophy wife, they can be a particip- participant. Like Melania girl. Trump. Yeah, yeah, first yeah, of yeah. all. With a picture that, of her. That's the what sermon. just blew my mind. Is Dude, he come had on, a, man. He had a picture ready to go, meaning this was not a rant off the top of the head. Because we, we've we all said stupid things sure. off the top of our heads when we Gosh, think. I, do you think he has an intern or youth guy that has to run his slides that it was I, like – from since Thursday, that was like I, I either I have to resign or I can't live with myself. I don't know, but he had that slide prepared, so he knew he was going there. None of this was off the cuff. That's Come the on, terrifying. Man. Did thing he have? To me. Did he have maybe one verse? Like, of course, it was not in context. And no, and at, at all. The I I I did other research. I was reading. Up, Dude, uh, the awkward a, amens in those the, situations. The, can, I, can I get an amen? He was trying to force something. Oh, Dude. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. No, you cannot get an amen, sir. No. Andrew, what did you say? You did some research about <laughs> yeah, it? I, I, I did some research on it. So it was there was one verse quoted in the entire sermon, and it was uh, 1 Corinthians 7.12, I believe. It was, uh, sorry, it was 1 Corinthians 7.14, which he said, husbands should have inscribed over their beds. The wife has no longer all the rights over her body, woo-woo, but shares them with her husband, double-woo, and it said in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Woos, woo-woos not added by Paul, but by the pastor. Wow. So he said... That that was the verse that he was using for all of his authority on the subject. He also said in the sermon that his wife used to be, quote, quite robust herself, but praise God went to Weight Watchers after the birth of each of their children. I, I wish Dude. that this podcast was all video format so that you could see the look on Frank's face right now when I just read that. Dude. Holy I, cow. I didn't, know that. I didn't, I didn't, okay. I didn't what kind of emotions does this incite from you? Because I gotta say, if I was sitting in the congregation, it would make me angry beyond angry, even as a, as a dad of four daughters. Like, just to hear someone talk about a child of God in that way makes me sick to my stomach. It, it makes me angry and embarrassed. And the, this article in the St. Louis Post Dispatch is talking about you know, the, the author says, I'm a Christian or try to be, and here's the problem with white evangelicalism in america right now wow and to be to be lumped into Dude, that like group they don't, is people embarrassing. don't even have to look people don't even have to go looking hard i know to make fun of us it's awful I, when, when i when i when i read the story when i saw the video i was just like shocked at like my first question is how does a pastor much less a church get to this point where on a Sunday morning sermon, someone's saying this, then I pause and like, and like even like having Melania Trump as like the example, it's like, like, and then I paused and I was like, well, why am I surprised? And then like, I don't know how many of you guys read that book, but like Jesus and John Wayne kind of like sets the sets us up of like, of course, this is where we are. And it's not like a, a Southern Christianity thing. This is like a white evangelicalism kind of entitlement going run amok. Right. And it's like, and it's it's it, it kind of blows me away. And like hearing what you just said, Andrew, it's like 
the fact that they're not just like ripping scripture out of context, but like purposely abusing it and maligning it to make it say things that are not only not biblical, but abusive. Well, which is exactly what this crowd says about people who want to talk about gender issues and sexuality issues as it relates to our culture. Like we cannot at the same time misuse scripture in the same way we accuse other people of doing it. It's, it's so frustrating. I was telling Tim earlier, you know, he's, he's using his, he's not behind a pulpit. And so his notes are in his Bible. Right. And so he's looking down at his Bible when he's saying some of this stuff. So to the, to someone that doesn't know how preaching works, I don't, they think he's reading some of this stuff or yep. oh, he, I mean, it's bad. The The more I read the the worse it got. He was talking about a, a counseling session he did with a couple with a skinny man and a wife that quote looked like a sumo wrestler, and he's and he goes into graphic details of this couple's counseling. I'm like, why would you ever go to this pastor for counseling yeah. if this is the kind of story he's telling in a sermon? But this is a culture thing because like you don't say stuff like this your first Sunday in a no. church. And, and and he's saying it with bravado as if I'm saying this and I'm standing for something. Like, that's the whole vibe and culture that a lot of this stuff happens in. Like, that's why the, can I get an amen? Like, yeah, come on. You know I'm saying Well, and truth. now I'm sure he feels like he's being persecuted because his, de- oh, I'm his sure. denomination has sent him to counseling over this. His denomination, of which he was the stated clerk, or I'm sorry, he was yeah. the moderator of their uh, general meeting this summer. He used to be, not, not no mo. But what's so terrifying is that we're going to be we as pastors are now lumped into this. Yeah, like, we, like it's yeah. inevitable. Like we are going to have if to. If like, you Google nope. the word pastor right now, it's so frustrating. The, he is the first thing that comes up. It, like it, it yeah. that's ugh. well, uh, Tim. I said I was talking with some folks about church membership yesterday, and actually, uh, the bulk of our conversation, I just started with asking them, well, what. When I say, because they've been members at a church before, and I ask them, when I say member, what do you hear? Like, tell me what church membership means. And they basically described to me a place where there was a pastor who taught them very unbiblical, like crass kind of mean things about membership and used it as a bat instead of as a way to, you know, help them. And so, like you said, we get lumped into that. So when I say church membership, that's what they think. It goes back to that. Yeah. I think when I watched the video, I, I, I think I remember him even making a joke like, this is why you shouldn't use me for marriage counseling. And it's like, why would you boast about being bad at marriage right. counseling as a pastor? Or like, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just like, I, and, and I, I, I can't blame this on like, I mean, to an extent you can, but like, I can't say like, he's a nobody in terms of like being a, like a celebrity pastor. Like he's not like a big name. I didn't know who he was until this video. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I don't know if he's ever written a book before. I don't know I what not. makes him like this. Uh, I, I don't know if he's like a big figure, maybe in his area he is or whatever. I don't know. But like hearing what he says is just like, it was just so like offensive and, and shocking. And like, it's not even offensive and shocking in a good way. Right. Like if it was like, like, and when it's I mean, worldly. Like, it's worldly. It's like it's like it was demeaning. It was sexist. Misogyny. I mean, it's all the the buzzwords that conservatives hate to hear. But it's like it's the definition of what he was doing. Is that and and it's like and and I think the reason why I, I thought this might be an appropriate clergy cliff note is exactly what you just said, Andrew. Is when you type in the word pastor, this is the first thing that comes up. And so, the, in the word of 
clergy news. This is probably one of the bigger stories this week, and sadly, like it doesn't make us look bad, look good. I would. I, there's another um, uh, uh, clip that uh, came out around the same time. Our buddy Amin, who's on a different podcast, shared this, and um, it has some kind of vulgar language. So here's a clip. Um, I'm going to see if we can maybe bleep out the cuss word, or I might like just cut out the audio. But listen to this quick clip. Yeah, in fact, we're encouraging you to double up. I said that is not going to happen says you're gonna have to wear this kind of mask now it's this kind of mask what? What? we we live in such a fear and mongering control and manipulation society that some of y'all have drank it like kool-aid and i'm just here to tell you we are the sons of god in the earth and guess what we're not afraid we're not afraid hey hey listen let me say it. I had COVID. If I had died, then I died of COVID. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of a heart attack. I'm not afraid when it's my time to go. We can't cower. We can't play. We can't play small. We can't hide. We got to live. We're the sons of God in the earth. That's who you are. And our country's being run by a bunch of That's the only way I can say it. So record that and send that. So so there's this pastor who looks like, if you haven't seen the video, he looks like he's dressed like in the Sons of Anarchy or something. And he's making this kind of like tired statement about how like, you know, I'm not afraid of COVID. If I die of COVID, whatever. If I have a heart attack, whatever. Like, I'm not afraid of death. So we got to live our lives. We can't be in fear. That kind of that kind of tired thing that a lot of like conservative Christians are saying as an excuse to either not wear a mask or not follow kind of COVID restrictions. And then he makes this statement where he says, this country is being run by a bunch of uh, P words. People. <laughs> no, the bad people. That's what, he, that's what he said. People. Yeah. Politicians. Politicians. <laughs> no. yeah. Persons. Uh, Pastor. Oh, yeah. no. Puppies. No. Yeah. Puppies. Uh, that's the closest, actually. The closest <laughs> is probably puppies. Here. Yes. Actually, that's, that's weird. Yes, that's the closest right. word to it. But ultimately, it's like, uh, I know, I think in our group chat, someone's, uh, this is not, I keep exposing our group chat. I think our group chat's amazing. That's why. But like uh, someone mentioned, uh, um, is someone watching a Mark Driscoll video or something? Like, because <laughs> back in the day, it was really cool for Mark Driscoll to cuss on stage. And it was edgy. How dare you? <laughs> But like, who the heck do you think you are? <laughs> but like, I mean, again, this seems like I haven't looked. I didn't do a ton of research about the history of this guy, but but it's. I mean, can we talk about the camo pants, the leather vest, and the sword? Is it a sword or a dagger? The Brock Lesnar outfit. It is. It's Brock it Lesnar. <laughs> and he's getting a standing ovation as he shouts these things. That's what's also terrifying it's so aggressive the tone is so aggressive like it's way more aggressive than Guys, I am. I'm, and i feel like i'm yelling at i am people so sometimes. cool being in my church of 70 little old ladies i like <laughs> this stuff just makes me want to stay where i am forever yeah i'm good yeah i'm good I'm with you let me camp out here and serve these people faithfully yeah and never think that i have to say something for a soundbite wow. because i feel i feel like both of these guys are are chasing that soundbite yeah. so hard that they end up looking like fools but are you saying you don't want to own an afflicted t-shirt 
I don't want to own an afflicted t-shirt. I, Dude, I don't want to ever have to get to the point where I'm worried about what kind of t-shirt I'm wearing on the church although, camera. Like, uh, in, wow. in fairness, because of the streaming world we live in, I now, on Saturday night, I go through it's true. and I pull up the Facebook, the church's Facebook, mm-hmm. to be like, all right, did I wear this last which week? plaid shirt and solid color tie did I wear last week? <laughs> yeah, I've because done that. I'm always, yeah. in, like, I'm... Fifty Shades of Plaid is my nickname around here. That's <laughs> <Really>? weird. <laughs> That's... The old ladies. Listen, when that. COVID when when COVID was fully full blown and we were just online only, I was recording sermons like in my little studio in my office. And uh, one day I was in here with like sweatpants and slippers on and like a nice button up shirt. And a lady from the church stopped by to drop something <laughs> off and like came into my office. And I was like, well. Now you know the truth. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I, I think you guys are a good point. So they're chasing after a a, a soundbite. And or or I mean, I think there's a sense of like, you know, that they, that they have created this world where like the pastorate is not a place of serving, but it's a it's a place of like making these bold proclamations that that like either speak over people or like it's commanding people to get, I mean, to be fair, not to, I'm not trying to be political, but like Trump did this a lot, right? Like he just said, these like really big yeah. kind of statements for the sake of stirring the pot. And it, it makes his people say, hoorah, that's awesome. And it made people who didn't yeah. think like him offended by it. Right. And I think- yeah. Well, it's very, it's very me centered preaching as opposed to Jesus centered preaching. There, there's just nothing Jesus about either of these clips. It is I, so I've scary. got a, a pastor, but who's just a brilliant preacher. And he, he, I was like talking about the theory of preaching with him once, and he said some pastors are called to comfort the afflicted, hmm. and some are called to afflict the comforted. And I always thought that was kind of like, I'm like that's that's cool, like that's like one of those pithy sayings that you always remember. And I look at at especially uh, this guy, what's his name, Keith Craft. I think it's Keith Cargo Pants. Uh, no, it's Crafty Pants. Um, some are called to preach in afflicted shirts. <laughs> uh, no, not not that kind, not that kind of affliction. That, but it's like oh. he's he's not doing either. He's not causing the people that are too comfortable in their own setting to be made uncomfortable and he's not calling to comfort those who have been persecuted what he's doing is he is like shouting in a wind tunnel he's i I felt like well and a lot of people will say but oh you don't have the full context but i'm thinking like i can't remember any sermon that i've ever preached or any preacher that i've known as like a personal friend where there was any part of their sermon you could rip out of context and it'd be this offensive I mean, I talked about you know I mean? snuggling like, with my dog a little bit in my sermon because, you know, in, in 2 Samuel 12, when Nathan is rebuking David, he talks about the guy who, like, the, the sheep <laughs> slept in his bed and, like, he raised it as a child. Like a pet, yeah. I was like, okay, like, as weird as this is for us, my dog slept under the covers last night and people laughed at that. I was pretty proud of that. But again, out of context, <laughs> this, it's still just me snuggling and she's a beautiful dog. But this goes to, like, I have, I have a guy in my, a, a couple guys in my church who, when I talk to them, they, they come from this, I don't know what it is. It's like this underlying presupposition of always wanting to stand up for what's right. I got to stand up for what's right. And I feel like these two guys that in these clips, it's like that's the atmosphere. And I don't know what you're standing up for. Like I, it, 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 It's like an attempt to look brave or something. And I don't think you look brave. You just look foolish. You look like a macho dummy. Yeah. It, you look like it, it. You know what you look like? I don't know. You look like Gaston. 
it's a it's little like, bit yeah, not uh, even that cool though. Yeah, but not not nearly as yeah, cool as especially Gaston. not the other guy. And the people amening you definitely look like LeFou because <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. I think I can. I'm trying to listen to what feedback we might get from some people, and people be like, "Hey, you guys might be a little too critical on these guys." Well. I'll say this. Yeah, right. First off, I don't think we're being too critical to these guys yeah. in particular. I mean, I, I, I think like um, with the first guy. Hey, we're just telling it like yeah. it is, guys. <laughs> we're, we're just, just telling it like telling it is. Telling the truth, right? With the first guy, I mean, he got um, – I don't know if he got let go from his shirts, but he's definitely seeking counseling. I haven't heard about any feedback about what the other guy's going through. I highly doubt it. <clears throat> if he's getting a standing ovation, he's probably like being praised right now for all the things he's going through. But the reality is this is like to be fair – even if these were taken out of a context, whatever the con- – like Jeff said, whatever the context is, there's no reason why it should land to whatever they got to. If you're landing on body shaming women and talking and exposing private pastoral conversations to the pulpit, that's not a good look regardless of the context. And if you're cussing and like and like slandering politicians just to prove a point, that's not – no matter what the context is, it's not going to land well. Like it doesn't make sense. Who Who is getting saved? <laughs> yeah. with a sermon like this. Yeah. That's what I, like you know we we just did the the gospel centered church last week. Where is the the gospel focus in that sermon? At what point do you pivot and make it about Christ and grace and salvation? How do you do that? It has to be the hardest pivot that's of gonna, all time. <laughs> that's going to be like, well, here's a hard turn. And we're back to slaughter. There it is. Exactly. Hey, well, if you want, if you want to listen to those, uh, if you want to see those clips, they'll be in the show notes below or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have a, a riveting conversation about denominations. So we'll be. Ooh, that sounds fun. Wait. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. Um, hey, so I'm in this unique situation at my campus, in my church, where we are part of a church network called Converge. And I've been here for five years. I'm still trying to figure out what that means. Like, what is our relationship with this network? Isn't it Converge know- Worldwide, by the way? I, th- I think it, it was. Because that always that, makes me think of Step Brothers. It makes me think of Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide. Yes. <laughs> I, I think they've Converge con- Worldwide. I think they've con- Miami. They've condensed their legal name to just Converge. <laughs> but um, but our church is not. It's, Converge is not a denomination. It's more of like a network of churches that plant churches. Um, I guess the closest thing I can think of is like if you know what Acts twenty nine is, it's probably like in the same vein of that kind of network of churches. But um, Jeff and Tim and Andrew and sadly Dunmar, I wish he was here because he's in the denomination. He's the, not in a really denomination. Is. He's in a convention. He's in a convention. Uh, right? not which is a denomination, which is kind of like a network. Yeah, yeah. You sh- you share resources. It actually and only have... exists when they're convening. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I would, I'd be interested to hear what Dumbo would have to say about the SBC. But, but Jeff, you are in the CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance. Yes. The and Alliance for short. The Alliance for short. I and actually t- told this story yesterday. I was in Chicago uh, walking, actually right under Trump Tower. And um, <laughs> I was talking with a college student. So I was visiting family who I was born in Rockford. And I have family that live in, in part of Illinois. I was born in normal Illinois. We should have this conversation wow, not really when we're recording someday. Uh, anyway, so I was walking on the streets of Chicago with a college student who had been a part of my church in Orlando, who was now living in Chicago, going to school. And we were just walking on the streets. This was pre-COVID when you could talk to people and there were people close enough to hear you. And um, no masks. And so I said, hey, and she grew up in the Christian Missionary Alliance, the Alliance. And I said, hey, how long have you been in the Alliance? 
and some guy on the street trying to be funny was like hey, the rebel alliance and uh so that, that was pretty fun and that's the kind of stuff that happens for us yeah we don't have any cool star wars jokes in the evangelical covenant church we should though i don't think the word cool exists anywhere near the so tim and andrew tim, you got you, what you, you guys are in the <laughs> that's funny the evangelical covenant or covenant evangelical Evangelical Covenant Church, the ECC. 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 Covchurch.org. All right. So here's my question for you guys is like, I, I was talking to Jeff and I've said, I think majority of churches are in denominations and, and, and networks. Like being non-denominational is probably a minority, even though probably the, some of the most influential churches are non-denominational or they're denominate churches and denominations that function like a non-denominational church, right? Like, I would say the average pastor probably listening to this and the average pastor that you know is probably affiliated with some sort of denomination and network. And so I guess my question to you, as someone who's never been in a church that has really been in a denomination or a network, how do they work for you? Like what is the system? Like what's their church's involvement with them? And what's their involvement with you on a, I guess, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis? Well, for Lakeview Church, I can tell you this. They hold our mortgage, which – is dope is kind of a big deal it's one of the reasons we held on to our property coming out of the pcusa uh the pcusa did not want our 1.5 million dollar note and the covenant church said uh, we will we will take that on for you so we actually got to hold on to all 36 acres of our property so had we not had that we would have lost our so tim is this is this reversionary clause stuff because maybe people that aren't in a denomination might not know what that means where if a, local, if a local church closes or leaves the denomination, their property reverts back to the denomination. Is that what it was for you? That's correct. That's, a, that's exactly what it okay. was. But because of our large note, they said you can keep your property. And then the covenant stepped in and said, we will actually hold your mortgage for you, uh, a la uh, covenant properties. Yeah, we have um, our mortgages through covenant properties as well. Um, and the way that we – the easiest way to explain the way that the covenant works – and neither Tim or I are like first of all. That's a way covenant. better nickname than the Alliance. The Covenant. The yeah, covenant. it sounds cooler. That is cool. It does sound cool. Like Although, that. Isn't that the? Aren't those like the bad aliens in? Uh, <laughs> yes. In, in Halo. Yeah. <laughs> you are fighting against the Covenant. Yeah. So we, like we are fighting for the Covenant, not against the Covenant. Um, the way that it works is our credentials, so your ordination or your licensing, depending on your position within the church, are held by the denomination. Hmm. And so there is a whole lot of accountability for the clergy within our denomination, whereas every church is autonomous. So we're an evangelical covenant church. But if the church wants to fire me, they don't have to get permission from the denomination to do that. If they want to bring in a non-covenant pastor, they don't have to get permission from the denomination to do that. But Tim and I both have our credentials held not by our local church, but rather by our denomination. Right. So a lot of it, what, at least what I see, is there's a whole lot of accountability for the clergy mm-hmm. within the denomination. And so because of that, a lot of the resources that we see are based around the clergy. So like on Thursday, we have a Zoom call scheduled with all of the covenant pastors within the state of Florida. On Saturday, I'm running a uh, classroom for any clergy within the Southeast Conference of our denomination um, that once it's like a tech classroom and we're, I'm one of the younger, more techie pastors. And so I've been asked to lead a a classroom for a couple hours, teaching some people how to do some podcasting stuff. So a lot of the resources that we see are geared specifically to the clergy. Whereas when I was in a Presbyterian church, a lot of the denominational emphasis was, well, let's get this church together with that church. They can have a picnic. 
And that's not what I see in the covenant. It's a lot of support for the clergy specifically. Professional Speaking development. of credentials, yeah, they, they take ordination seriously, which is kind of very, cool. very seriously. Growing up, growing up Southern Baptist, it was kind of like a, you know, hey, come to church next week. We're going to lay hands on, an, on a, on a yeah. deacon and we're going to ordain him. So that was my my thought process behind ordination. Then when I got into the covenant church, it was, uh, where's your MDiv? I'm like, oh, working on that. Okay, it's MDiv plus our core classes, then an interview process, then you're voted on. So it is It is a, it yeah. a very real commitment. It is a hefty, hefty To be ordained thing. in the Covenant Church, So which is part of the reason why I'm pursuing my MDiv as we speak. So are you ordained yet, or, or is it in process? So I am licensed. Okay. I am in, so in is process it, it's of a ordination. Two, it's a two-step deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, multiple steps. Yeah, for us, the denominational uh, stuff is pretty similar. Um, so we like to say that there is kind of the Presbyterian hierarchy model of church governance, and then there's the uh, congregational model of church governance. The alliance is kind of right in the middle. Um, so we have churches are autonomous, they're independent, but they are also, uh, we talk a lot about constituted authority in the alliance. So I guess technically we're not autonomous and independent in the sense of we can't just do whatever we want, but uh, each church is independent from one another, and we, uh, but we all have a uniform constitution and bylaws that we have to uh, make our church bylaws conform to. Uh, so you do have your own church constitution and bylaws. They just can't be in conflict with the uniform constitution and bylaws. And uh, similarly to what you said, our ordination comes from our denomination, specifically our districts. So I think probably what you said for conference would be equivalent to district. That's geographic, uh, you know, sections of the country. So mine is Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, and my district, the Mid-Atlantic District, has an office nearby and they have a district superintendent. And that's how we connect with our denomination most of the time. And it is like what you said, Andrew, a lot of the focus is on professional development for pastors. Uh, I just said yes to an email that said, can we use your church building for a professional development cluster uh, to just do a day of training and praying together. And then uh, the big thing in the Alliance that I re- the thing that really attracted me to the Alliance the most was the way we do missions. Uh, so the very simple version is that we take all of our missions money and put it into a giant pool. Uh, and that is called the great commission fund. And that's how we fund missionaries. So they don't have to raise their own funding. Um, some of them, th- there's some different like unique situations, but for the most part, very simple version. Um, That's how we fund missions, which I really think is a great way to do it so that missionaries are not like constantly worried about losing a donor here or there. Once they go through the process and they're sent out for however long, two years, five year term, whatever, then they know they're funded for it. So our ordination process is kind of similar, which you guys said, it's like a, it's like a one year thing and then you're licensed. And then it's a three year process after that. And then you're ordained and there's, Bible credit hour, theology credit hour recommend, uh, requirements in that as well. So, yeah. Yeah, our, our missions is similar with that, whereas, you know, our we, we give specifically to our conference, which is the, the Southeast here um, in Florida, go figure, and then to our national. And it, it's so nice because as a little church, so we, get hit, we get hit up constantly about, hey, I'm brother so-and-so from down the street, and I was wondering if your church is raising support for, you know, would mind help me raise support for this? And it's so nice to be like, oh, man, we could do something for you, but the vast majority of our missions budget goes to our denomination. You can check them out here. That's 
as as a small church pastor, having that to lean on is so so helpful. Yeah, I don't have to reinvent that wheel every time. Like, yeah, it's just and it's easy to be. It's the same thing with church planting. Like we have a church planting budget that our church gives to. And that's the way that we do that. So I don't have to like figure that out. I don't have to run any programs. That's just how that works. It's good. I, I know um, now hearing you guys talk about this, I realize that there have, I, there has been things that Converge has done that sound similar. Like um, I think our, our mortgage is through our, is through Converge. Um, and so like when we, when we got, when we had to get uh, construction loans, yeah. for these new campuses we got it through converge and i actually think um our tax exempt status is through converge because um because i our tax exempt like form actually is one number for all converged churches i believe yeah. that's how it is um which i thought was interesting and then um and this actually goes to my next question to you guys is what would you say is the one like super awesome thing that you love about your your denomination, and then what's probably the big the biggest like con of it? And and, and I don't know what my con is because I don't really know what negative sides it is for our church to be in this situation. But what the biggest thing that I think is good is my church my converge allows pastors to be in a pension plan that is pretty spectacular and. Um, and, and like this is the first time in my career that like I was able to like, have a conversation with someone about like what does retirement and all that kind of stuff looks like. And so I talked to the person at Converge whose sole job is to work with pastors and their like retirement uh, pension type of stuff. And and she laid it all out for me, and I was like, oh, this is kind of a sweet situation. And I wouldn't have that if it wasn't for Converge because my church and set, my, my actual church doesn't have a plan for that, like that kind of stuff for pastors. So what would you say is the biggest like pro and the biggest con with your denominations? I mean, I think it's similar to what you said. Like it, the pro and the con for me is all wrapped up in the same thing. The, the biggest pro is that I'm not alone and that I'm part of a network of churches and like I'm friends with other pastors who who I already know believe the same things I believe do ministry very similar to the way I do ministry so like we don't even like I've met Methodist pastors in my in my neighborhood and I'm friends with them but I'm not sure like where they land on specific issues you know uh, and so that could lead to like disagreement or oh I didn't mean to say that like that or I assumed this and then we did this ministry event and it didn't go Whereas when you're in a denomination, you're working with another pastor in your denomination, all those conversations have already been had, like, and you can assume pretty much all those things you agree on. So that's, to me, that's the biggest awesome thing. But it also means if you yourself start to, you know, go through a process of exploring, maybe thinking differently on one particular theological topic, and you start to go outside of your denomination, then that's tough because now you're talking about losing your licensing, you're losing your, you know, your job. Uh, so, so, but that's just part of it. Uh, so to me, they're kind of the biggest pro and the biggest con are like wrapped up in the same thing. It's like being part of a family. It's amazing to be part of a family, but there's times when you're like, man, I really would like to just do this, but I can't. I pretty much echo what's been said, you know, and we have a denomination that takes really good care of pastors, I mean, and I was a part of two different Presbyterian denominations before being a part of the Covenant Church, which is ironic because I grew up in an IFB church, but just kind of funny how God calls sometimes. Hey, real and quick, real I quick, have, real quick. Is IFB, because the word is independent fundamental Baptist, does yeah. that mean that IFBs are all autonomous churches? Yes, or is absolutely. It, 
So there's so there's no like IFB denomination. No. And I mean all Southern Baptist churches are autonomous too. Yeah, there's there's zero accountability. You know, and there might be an affiliation of these twelve guys. You could lose your affiliation with your like local like group of Southern Baptist churches. But like in in, uh, this is my the way it would work for me. Like my denomination could come in and remove our accreditation as a church. And or remove my life. So, like, if a if a video appeared on YouTube of me saying some of the things we talked about earlier, I would lose my license, and I could no yeah. longer pastor the church that I pastor. And that's where the accountability comes in. But my church can't. In our denomination, they just can't go hire anybody they want to. If he's not an alliance ordained pastor, he at the very least has to go through that process and become ordained by the alliance. You cannot pastor an alliance church without being ordained in the alliance or transferring your ordination from another acceptable denomination into the alliance. That, that's where I am. I'm transferring an ordination yeah. right now. And it's, it's not quite the same process that Tim's going through, but it's similar. Um, but so I would say our, our denomination takes such good care of the pastors, which is so nice to know that our superintendent has my back. We have a, a national ministerium, but we also have a regional ministerium and to know that, you know, there's certain people that I could call on as a pastor, be like, hey, I I personally need some pastoral care. Um, there's funding for that. There, there's there's a way set up to make that happen. So that's really nice. Um, the And I don't know that's like the bad thing because I don't want to talk smack about something that I love. But it's it, – it at times feels like an antiquated model. You know, I like we are in – three different states right now having a face-to-face conversation and it's no issue so much i think of the mainline denominational model is found in the this is how people have their camaraderie this is where comradeship is built whereas now you know i've got buddies that i went to college with i've got buddies that i went to seminary with and i can connect with them at the drop of a hat i don't need a denomination to connect me to somebody else the way that 30 or 40 years ago i would need to be connected if I was a young 30-something pastor in ministry. So I don't think that's a negative thing or a slight to the denomination, just in general. Just the, that model. That that denominational model yeah. that you see across any denomination. But Which, frankly, networks the, are another expression of that same need. Ex- exactly. So networks are almost a new denominational structure. They just, they're not built to do the accountability in the same way as a denomination. So, you know, I'm assuming your ordination doesn't come from your network, Frank. No, it, um, my ordination would come directly from my church. Right. And, um, and I think that the, the unique thing about networks, which I think is like, actually goes to a good question I have for you guys is that our network is such a broad tent that the, the thing that you have to agree to, is kind of almost like agreeing to the Nicene Creed type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you can agree to like some of the creeds then you can be a part of this group, so within that, you have unique expressions of of Christianity that would be seemed as like more of a, a, a I, I'm, and, and this is if if anyone from Converge is listening to this, I'm I'm making broad generalizations that I might not I might be. I know I'm worried to. about the Alliance guys listening to this. Like that's not true. <laughs> so I could be wrong. But remember, I am hosting a workshop on how to host and start a podcast for people in my denomination. On Saturday, so this will be the most recent episode posted when I introduce myself to them. So, 
Yeah. Cove Church people, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I guess a, a better way to describe it because I don't want to I don't want to falsify any information. Like there's like you know a big spectrum of theology because I don't know if that's true. But one thing that I have been really interested in uniquely seeing in my and converges the diversity of actual people like black churches and Latino churches and Asian churches under the same umbrella where like, it seems like in certain denominations you'll have like kind of a monolithic expression of like an ethnicity or a race. Um, and so it's kind of like carbon copies of each other. Where like in our denomination, like I've seen not only diversity in the type of churches that exist here, but like in the annual meetings that we have to watch um, there's like an intentionality of like talking about racial reconciliation and, and and different voices that my limited knowledge of denominations and networks seem to be that converges a pretty um, diverse group of people, which I really appreciate. Same thing with the covenant. And yeah. again, coming out of two different Presbyterian denominations, and like same church, church changed denominations. I wasn't bouncing around, but the the covenant church is so diverse and not, not diverse for the sake of diversity, but as in, the the best answer is where we're going to go period and it's the the tapestry of or the you know like the mosaic of what the kingdom of god looks like and it's so exciting to be a part of that to the point of where 4 years ago you know if if we read a book like we read last that we dis- discussed last week i would think nothing of it and my viewpoint has shifted so that when i was reading that book I got to like the last chapter and one of the thoughts that I had was, man, there's been nothing but white male pastors quoted in this entire book. That is not how you get a perspective of the kingdom of God. And I wouldn't have thought that way four years ago. So that's one thing that I really value about the covenant is that, you know, in my church, which is in a predominantly upper middle class white neighborhood, I still get to be a part of the mosaic of the kingdom of God by leaning into the denomination. And that's actually been something that that is very rich and rewarding to be a part of that I have not experienced in any other church that I've been at. Let me let me ask you this one last question, because you kind of hinted towards it. So um, I don't know, you might not have the answer to this question. I know, like, Tim, uh, Andrew, you said that for your church, the Evangelical Covenant Church, the largest church in the denomination is Life Church in Oklahoma, right? Craig Rochelle Church? Yep. I think they're they're one of two. I sometimes I think they're probably the largest. There's another big one out in California whose name I'm completely spacing on right now. But there there's a couple like giant churches that you would know the name. Sure. And then like, oh hey, I didn't know they were a covenant right. church. And then in the CMA, like I the, I'm always pleasantly surprised how many CMA churches I see. Like whenever I go to a different city and I meet a pastor, they're like, oh, we're CMA. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of CMA churches, but um, I know you and I know a church in Tampa that's a pretty larger church, or at least a popular church in Tampa. Are there vibrant? Any, like, vibrant. Is there any other like really large CMA churches that I'm not thinking of that you may be aware of? Yeah, the, I mean, we know them in the denomination. The, the one of the biggest, if not the biggest one in the country, is in Appleton, Wisconsin. Actually, oh really? Um, yeah, it's Appleton Alliance. So it's it's in the mega yes. church status. Um, and then there's one in Ohio as well that's that's really big as well. So, so I guess my I guess my question is this is like in some mainline 
evangelical church or mainline denomination churches like a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church, right? Like that title carries the weight of like yeah. almost like brand identity, right? Like you mm-hmm. know what you're getting and, and it kind of like where it is and its theological umbrella. And outside of those mainline churches or like the Catholic church, the only other denomination that has kind of like that weight is like a Southern Baptist church. So that's why you see the title Southern Baptist in their name. But like it seems like to me, like Jeff and Andrew, when I when I talk to your churches, when you tell me your churches, I don't immediately think, oh, CMA or or Covenant Church, right? I, I just think they're a church, and I'm like pleasantly surprised to find out what denomination is. Have you found being affiliated with the denomination has either hindered uh, people coming to your church because they're like, oh, you're CMA? I'm out of here. Or has people been like, oh, you're Evangelical co- Covenant? Evangelical Covenant? Oh, I'm going to be a part of your church. Have you seen kind of that? Or has it been like kind of a non-issue? Because like you just said, when people think of Life Church, they don't think of uh, Evangelical Covenant. Like that. Like that's a surprising fact. In the same way, in many ways, when you think of like Saddleback or Elevation Church, you don't think of SBC. And you find out later that they are SBC, right? So how has the denomination hindered your reach in the community or has it been like a non-issue i i think more often than not it's a non-issue which is kind of sad i i don't think the vast majority of parishioners actually care um, going back to my, my previous church we had a um th- th- you know there, there was a a period where there was a lot of people leaving the church and one of the elders who was well into his 80s was insistent that the reason that we were leaving that we were losing members is because we were losing sight of our presbyterian distinctives and i pulled up a list of the people that had left our church and it's like okay here are the people that have left our church in the past six months this family went to the big liberal methodist church you know down the road this family went to the huge southern baptist church that tries to pretend like they're non-denominational um on the other side of the church this family went to this, you know, so like we could go through the list and out of, let's say, eight families, one had left to a more Presbyterian Presbyterian church and the others had left to go to churches that just fit their family's needs a little bit better. And it was like no one is actually leaving for our Presbyterian distinctives. And so I think the vast majority of people when they're looking for a church, um, if you are from a denomination and you've had a very positive experience at a church, you might go to that denomination's website and say, okay, well, there's another church that's like that. But I don't think people are leaving and joining churches primarily based on their denominational affiliation. Yeah, it's the same for us. It's kind of a it's kind of a neutral thing. Um, actually, when I was getting ordained, they do a thing where they send you to the national office and you go through like a week of um, training there. And I was in Colorado Springs at the time. And they I went to a... Uh, class called Fresh Start, where they were talking about, you know, restarting churches. Uh, little did I know that's where I would actually end up a few years later. But uh, the Lord in His providence knew. So I was there, and they actually recommended at that class at the denomination's national headquarters to not put the word alliance in your name. Uh, not because there's a negative connotation, but just because people are like, what does that mean? Which I have found to be true because the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It's kind of not a, you know, it's not Baptist, it's not Methodist, it's not Presbyterian. What is it? And that that can create a, a little bit of a barrier. Like people are like, what's that? And so they, you know, maybe they don't go. So they recommend when you restart the church, just, you know, you don't have to put the word alliance in your name. But for folks who are older alliance folks, 
that's very like they want that in the name and we have had a number of people who have come to our church who already had an alliance background as a kid and knew what we were about and you know came because of that so we have a new newer couple who's been coming for a few i don't know probably four-ish weeks um and they came from another alliance church in our district but it's just too far to drive so they want to they want to be part of a church that's close to home. So they're coming to us and they already kind of know what they're getting, but people who don't have a church background, they could care less. They, I mean, it doesn't matter to them. I, I know you probably have an answer for this. I want to hear it because I have an answer for it for my church. When people ask, tell me like, what, what is your church like? Like when they talk about your denomination and they don't know what Alliance or covenant means, what is your like sentence to explain what your denomination means? It's a I'll, little. It's a short Coldplay concert and then a Q talk, <laughs> and then a TED talk. Nice. That's just like, kidding. You know what? That, that sounds like a bunch of churches I know. Actually, it's so yeah. awesome. It's a short Coldplay concert and then a TED talk. That's awesome. That's awesome. Andrew, what about you? <laughs> I said, you know, we we have uh, covenant affirmations. Like, so there's like you know five very big, broad statements of faith. That if you you know if you can agree with us on these, then you are welcome at our table. We have churches within our denomination that differ on you know how communion is served. We have people within our church that are going to differ on the best mode of baptism, and we're okay with that. It, it is a big tent, and one thing that we say as in the covenant is that we are centered, not bounded. And the the idea is of a well at a ranch, not a fence at a farm. And so, you know, we are we are centered where we're centered. And if you can find yourself in a body that is centered that way, you are welcome to be a part of our church. Wow. That's 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 beautiful. That's way more beautiful than what I say. We I, say that we're an Acts one eight family. It's a simple. So that talks about community, and it talks about being you know witnesses for the of the Holy Spirit. You guys are convicting me because I, I always go with a jokey approach and I always say – because like the reality is my church is probably reform-leaning, you know, a little Calvinistic. We preach the, we preach scripture. You know, we preach like verse by verse, chapter by chapter, expositional preaching. And then we uh, – you know, but we sing modern contemporary worship. And like that's a lot of words. So I always just say we're diet Baptist. We're like we're like we're like we're like, a, like your traditional Southern Baptist church, except without all the fat, like without all the like the parts that are annoying about Southern Baptists. Like we're like that. To that saying, all my Southern Baptist friends in Del Mar, I love you. No, no shame, no hate here. But but what I'm saying but is, if like, it's like a person with no church background or a negative uh, Catholic yeah. background, which is very common here, yeah, I will say something like, "We sing a couple of songs with a guitar, and then we." teach from the Bible for about 30 minutes and we pray together. And that's, that's really I, what it is. Yeah. I think that's good. I think and that's we good. love potlucks. <laughs> Gosh, I miss the food Dude, me too. Too. after so church so bad. I, so bad. Like, Yes, I want people to stop dying and I want to be able to see people face to face at church that have not been able to come for a year. But I just want to eat a bagel. No, next I want to eat people. the baklava. Mary, if well, you're listening too. to this. <laughs> that baklava, <laughs> Angie. If you're hearing this, that potato salad is killer. Isn't, isn't it? Like, there are certain people I look at at church, and I just picture what they bring oh. when it when it's their time to yes. do the fellowship hall stuff after church. So and I miss that oh, so dude, me too. much. Hey, there's a hey, lady. I'm, there's a lady I'm, here from from Africa. And she makes jollof rice. It's so good. I'm so glad we can be inside of a building and worshiping together and all that stuff. But I, I can't wait to be around a table I know. with people that don't live in my house. Yeah. 
I will. Um, we'll end the we'll end this discussion with this because I I want to give you a little bit of hope. I know, like, well, Florida, you might be able to do it now. In Wisconsin, um, they just opened up vaccines for people who work with children. Yeah, and um, and someone and like three people who are on staff with me are like got their first dose or already their second nice. dose. And they were like, Frank, you could probably get it because, A, you're a religious worker that has Yeah, clergy children. are qualified in a lot of places. Yeah. And so I was like – and I didn't know that because my perception of the vaccine was like um, I'm probably going to be whenever general population get it because no one cares about pastors. And I thought like if I need to get it, someone's going to tell me to tell me to get it, you know. Um, but like three staff people told me, hey, they got their vaccine. They're all, they're all Yeah, I'm on the ministry. waiting list. They're all kids ministry people. So – your 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 uh, pathway to p- church potlucks is on the way. Um, there's, there's light at the end of this tunnel. Hey, I can't wait. We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do the question of the week. Hey, we're back. Uh, just so you know, uh, Tim had to run on assignment to get this project done that we, we we sent him off to do. So he had to go. He's no longer with us, but he'll be in our spirits. Um, hey, I just finished uh, WandaVision, uh, and it was a, mm. a roller coaster of a show. Um, Marvel Marvel just prints gold. Everything they do is just, like, great. With that being said, it made me think about, because Wanda, the character, um, the Scarlet Witch, she's, like, probably the most powerful character in all of Marvel. And it made me think of uh, superhero powers again. And and so, like, what would you want as a superhero power? And so there's the cliche ones, right? uh, Being able to read people's minds, to be able to to fly, super strength, all that kind of stuff. Uh, If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Viral immunity. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's I mean, that's like Captain America, right? Or yeah. that's actually, that's probably you know what? It's probably more like uh, Wolverine or Deadpool Wolverine, or yeah. Deadpool. Like those, like I think they like literally Deadpool's plot was he had cancer and he was able to do something to he's always cured. But yeah, that would be that would actually would be legit. That'd be amazing right now. The, the sour side is you'll be li- probably living forever then. And that's oh sucks. my gosh, and then we'd be visiting everybody, Ugh. like everybody. I'm going to go with uh, Iron Man's answer, or not Iron Man, Tony Stark's answer, when Cap asked him what he was if you took away the suit. And that was genius, billionaire, sorry, genius, billionaire, playboy philanthropist. (laughs) I mean, that's a pretty good answer to what are you if you take away the superhero aspect of your life. So just being that would be pretty dope. Um, But actual superhero powers... Does the suit count? Because like Ant Man, no superhero powers, but can just shrink and grow as necessary. I feel like that would be very convenient to get into any places that you didn't that you needed to get into. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that counts. I mean, even your first answer, like I would say, my superpower could be like being a genius. Then like you could be yeah. you could be Iron Man. You know, yeah. I think or be good. be Bruce Wayne. I'm a billionaire who does a lot of sit ups. <laughs> Therefore, I can do this. Yeah. Oh man, it's so funny. It's like Iron Man and Batman are so similar in the sense that like they're they're the exact same person. They're like innately. There's nothing super. I mean, to be fair, like Batman probably knows martial arts, and Iron Man had to learn something to f- be able to actually do something. But they're more intelligent than superhero-y. 
But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I think flying is cliche, but man, it'd be so it would be great so cool though, yeah. To to be able to go from one place to another. I, you know, I was listening to I think the relevant podcast asked this question and they were like what if when people say flying, all they get is the ability to like hover about a foot off the ground and, <laughs> and go like one mile an hour? Like it's faster to walk than fly. You still have to wait. You still have to wait at a crosswalk. You can't just skip over traffic. <laughs> I was like, was like, spoiler alert, flying sucks. That'd be really funny. Well, hey, uh, this is a fun show. Hey, I hope you uh, enjoyed the show if you're listening. Uh, I realized that we haven't posted the next books for this month's um, book club thing. So I'll, hopefully we'll post that in there soon. But with that being said, if you uh, like the, today's episode, please share it with a friend. Give us a review on iTunes. If you want to ask us a question for the question of the week, you can do so through our website by putting it in the, in the show notes right now. There is a, a link where you can kind of call in and be able to ask us a question. You can be on, on the actual show. But, uh, but we're grateful. Join our Facebook group. That's where a lot of this conversation continues. And we'll be back next week. With that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Andrew Larson. And Delmar and Timothy Miller will be with us hopefully next week. We will see you next time. This is Practically Pastoring. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.